Happy New Year, friends, and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. My name is Danny. And I'm Connie. The author of Hebrews writes that our hope in Jesus Christ is a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. So come and join us and let us celebrate this journey with Christ. Come on in. The first lesson comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29 through 31. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is from the Gospel of Mark. We are in the first chapter as we have been the last several weeks. This is Mark's account of the calling of the first disciples. Listen again with fresh ears. Mark 1, 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called to them, And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A sermon in three jokes. Number one, old Skeeter was a great fisherman. But nobody in his little town could figure out how he did so well. The other fishermen would go out, both recreational and commercial, and would come back with some, but Skeeter always filled his little boat. Rain or shine, season to season, till finally the game warden started to get suspicious and said, Skeeter, can I ride with you when you go out tomorrow? Skeeter said, sure, come on. So the game warden gets in the boat with Skeeter, and they go out to a secluded part of this large lake, and quite unceremoniously, Skeeter picks up a stick of dynamite, lights it, throws it far enough away, boom! All these now dead fish float up to the top, and Skeeter gets his net and starts picking them up. And the game warden starts to go crazy. What are you doing? 
that couldn't be more illegal. I'm going to throw the book at you. You will never fish again. To which Skeeter puts down his net, lights a second stick of dynamite, tosses it in the lap of the warden, and said, now, are you going to quit criticizing me, or are you going to get to fishing? <laughs> get to fishing. That's G-I-T. Get. You're going to sit there criticizing me all day, or you're going to get to fishing. I mess it up a little bit, but that's okay. So first, let's look at the context before we engage that question. We are in the Gospel of Mark, as I said before. Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels. Uh, Matthew and Luke take some information from Mark, but Mark is brief. That's both good and challenging for our comprehension. If you want to get the highlights, then go to Mark. If you want more in-depth storytelling with more characters and more pieces of context, then go to Matthew or Luke or even John. But we're right here in chapter 1, verse 14, and already several things have happened. So when Mark, just as in John, there's no birth narrative, so there's no birth story. Mark starts right away with John the Baptist being the first thing that he starts his gospel with. John the Baptist coming to get ready and prepare for the coming of Christ. So he is baptizing for the forgiveness of sin, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That is his baptism and pointing to Christ who will come. Christ comes and gets baptized. We talked about that last week. Then immediately he goes into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil for 40 days. And that's only two verses in the Gospel of Mark. I'll, I'll even read you a whole second story. You get for free. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. That's it. <laughs> That's it. In Luke, it's most of chapter 4. And then we get more accounts of the each time the devil comes. Not with Mark. Mark has a, an impending sense that this information has to get out. The word immediately is used more in Mark than in any of the other Gospels. So Mark's hitting the high point. So right after that, bam, here we are. John the Baptist gets arrested. And Jesus, now that he's been baptized, now that he has made it through this temptation, John is now out of the scene and he is the man. So he comes to proclaim his gospel Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then shows you what that looks like in the calling of these disciples. Again, repent is that word that we don't like because it means stopping doing things that we might not want to stop doing in order to be closer to Christ. But it's here, it's a bigger picture. The disciples drop their nets and go to Christ. That is the picture of repentance. They stop doing what is their normal convention. They stop doing what is the schedule and mechanism of each day. They drop the symbol of who they are as fishermen, and they follow him. They are fishermen, in this case with nets. Now, the Bible does talk about line and fishing with hooks, but in this case, it is the nets. And in my mind, I always saw kind of big rope nets to get these fish, but 
rope would be too heavy, especially when waterlogged, wouldn't dry out. The next day, you know that lake smell, those of you who've been in lake water, you got to deal with that every day. And so did they as professional fishermen. So they used linen, it was cloth that was lighter, and often they did it at night so they couldn't see it coming. If you are a fisher person, then you know part of the battle with catching any fish is to make sure they don't see you coming. And when they didn't want the net to see, so often it's at night. And when they say mending the nets, it's literally what they're doing, like a torn garment, a shirt during the day. They wash it, they clean it, they dry it, and they are mending the holes in the net made by the fish catch the night before. Weights along the outside could just be rocks or weights, whatever, with holes drawn in them around the outside so it kind of closes around. Small nets and big fish, small nets and larger nets could be used. Sometimes boats would get together and each take a side that large and put it out there. And sometimes as your artwork on your bulletin cover reflects, they could be in waist-high water if they're looking or following a school of fish or looking for smaller fish to catch the bigger fish with the smaller net that they then cast. And they have to be able to throw it. So again, it has to be light enough. And so it was. But the bigger picture is Jesus comes by and nobody else says anything. In this story, it is clear that Jesus is the catalyst to what's going on here. They don't respond. They don't say, okay, I'm in. Let's go. Where are we headed, Jesus? We're just told that they follow. First two, Simon, that will become Peter, Andrew, his brother, then James and John. James and John were out in the boat. We have a sense that Andrew and Simon were in that more shallow water with a smaller net. And for James and John, sons of who? Zebedee, right? They had their own fishing business. They were in boats. They were out deeper, which means they were trying to get more fish, which means they probably had larger nets. And when they go, they leave not just their nets, but their father and the hired staff, it says which means that they were probably at least successful to a point of being able to hire staff. So they're walking away from what could be, well, what is their living, but that we have a sense that they were doing pretty well. Come with me and I will make you fish for people. I know, we all grew up on make you fishers of men. We kind of stumble over that translation a little bit. And the, trans, the newer translation, it's not newer, but it's, it's the same Greek word, anthropos, which is man, but in that plural does mean humanity. It means a better translation would be fishers of all. Come and I will make you fishers of all. And so it's kind of a double. First, they are called to stop, drop, and follow not stop, drop, and roll as if they were on fire, but stop, drop, and follow. But Jesus says in the midst of that call, not only do you need to stop and follow me, but this is a part of it too. You are going to be going after other people. You are going to be sharing what I give you with the world. There is no individual calling, Jesus is saying in this. 
There is only come, learn, follow, and then bring others to me. I'm paraphrasing all of this. Jesus just didn't say, follow me and your salvation is assured. He didn't say, follow me and you will be with me in the kingdom of heaven. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of all. So the first thing is we have to accept and claim that call on our lives. And that can be hard. I know it. We're always wrestling with issues of call. And then to realize that that central call is not just our individual way into God's kingdom in this life and the next, but it is a part, it is connected, it is grafted to the ministry of bringing others to Christ in whatever way we feel called to. It's a twofer. Your call and the call to care, love, share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. So Skeeter will say, you're going to sit there criticizing all day or are you going to get the fishing? And we do that, don't we? Good Presbyterians, we keep that in our mind. We're weighing this, we're weighing that. Ooh, I heard that, putting that up there. Mull it around, let it bounce around, let it ferment and let it grow and let it figure out. And then next week, a little bit more. Oh, we'll put that in. That's a good piece. I'll tuck that in back there. <laughs> That's the first piece, but we're missing the second. How do we get to fishing and stop criticizing? And by criticizing, that's a little bit harsh, but I think not inaccurate. We get upset because we don't think we know enough, but we do to give ourselves fully to Christ. We're upset because our church isn't exactly as we would want it to be and not perfect. But it has been given to us as a gift. We criticize because we're afraid of what, how we will be perceived in the world when we seek to let others know that we follow Christ and here's why. That's not a blunt instrument. It's not meant to be used as a, a weapon or a tool. We're not condemning anyone else. Only God has that power and thank God I do not. I don't want it. But all of those things, that criticism, even of ourselves, I'm not discipleship material. I don't know enough. I, am I gifted enough? Theologian Karl Barth says that they were elected to discipleship by the simple fact that Christ claimed them. They didn't have any special theological disposition. They weren't teachers of the day. They weren't scholars. And yet, this is who Christ starts with. Theologian John Calvin says that they were chosen not because of any virtue of their talents or their excellencies. Nothing they did caused them to be chosen. Christ claimed them. That's how they were chosen. Christ claims each of us knowing that we are imperfect, 
and also placing on us that it isn't just about us and our individual salvation or journey in this life to the next. Fishing for all, fishing for others is a part of our discipleship in any form. And we can diminish that. We can keep up those same defenses for which we tell ourselves we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, and gosh darn it, nobody likes us. I'm not one of those people that leads in the church. Well, okay, can you lead in the community? How about your individual corner of the world? What about your family? What about the places you volunteer? What about the places you work, the places you go to on the weekends, the people you see? God places in your life and in mine opportunities for us to fish for people in a healthy way. It's a part of our call. And Skeeter's telling us to get to fishing because we're wasting too much time. The world is too dark and too broken for us not to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ. That shalom, that healing, that wholeness, that peace. So we accept our individual call knowing that it means that it's time to get the fish. Joke two. There's a guy, he's, he's just not so bright. And friends, I'm afraid to tell you, he might even be a little inebriated. He's an ice fisherman, you see. And so in this current state, he goes out and he finds on the ice, he makes his first hole. And he opens that up and he hears a voice from above and says, there are no fish down there. So he moves 10, 15 feet next, makes his second cut opens that hole, looks down, and the same voice says, there are no fish down there. He tries one more time, goes down about another 10, 15 feet, opens up the third hole, and the voice, booming voice from above says, I told you there are no fish down there. And he said, is this God? He says, no, this is the ice rink manager. <laughs> hmm. Not so bright, our friend. So then it brings up our question number two, where and how are we fishing? Are we fishing effectively for others? Or do we truncate our ability to affect the change in their life that God is calling us to? And that's hard, friends. I know it. I know it. It's hard enough in this room to share about our faith with Christ, our stories of Christ and the Holy Spirit with us, even more out there where we're not sure how people are going to respond. It's hard. But if we do that through sharing our stories, if we do that through saying, you know, you know what helps me? And then we say that. It's not in a way that says, you've got to believe what I do or you're going to rot in hell forever. Coming to church on Sunday? Good. See you there. It, it, no, it doesn't work or it shouldn't if it does. I don't believe fear of God generates true discipleship. It's just fear in a negative sense. We are to fear the Lord, but not only fear. 
And where do we go? A lot of the people that we interact with in our friendship groups and our families might already be Christians. So are we looking to fish in an area with no fish? I saw all kinds of stories that I won't lift up or go into too much detail about using fishermen as that continued analogy that fishermen get together and they talk about tackle and equipment and they get together and they talk about where to fish and they bring specialists in to tell them about the kinds of fish they'll be fishing for in the environment around them. And they have special leaders from other groups that come and you have groups together that share their love for fishing. What's missing in all that? They're not fishing. (laughs) They're just learning about fishing. And that is a challenge for all of us to not just learn about how to go and share and spread the word of Christ, but to do it. And that's the gift of the church family. As we learn and grow in our own understanding, in our own journey and get closer to Christ, so too can we hold one another up as we go out and seek to fish for all. So that second one, how and where are we fishing? Third joke, a man was fly fishing all day, didn't catch a trout, looking for trout, beautiful little mountain stream, shut out. So on the way home, he stops by a fish market and he says, I need you to give me three trout, but I need you to throw them to me one at a time. And the owner says, why? He says, so I can tell people I caught trout today. So is that fishing or is that a fisherman or is that some kind of strange, different kind of other? There's a difference in fishing for people and becoming a fisher of people. A difference in fishing for people or becoming a fisher of people. If we fish for people, we can put that on the calendar, right? Hey Siri, Alexa. My Siri just answered. How about that? Schedule for me every week, Wednesday from four to six, I will fish for people. Okay, we can do that. That's just another task on top of everything else. But to become a fisher of people, not just a fisher, but to become a fisher of people means that we change. That's an identity issue. That's who we are at our core. I have become a fisherman. I don't just go and fish every once in a while. We don't just want to say, well, we got new members in like the guy fishing. I got three, three new members. They're in. Does that mean Is that that what we're called to do? And numbers are one way to look at church health, but not the only way. We certainly want to be growing as a church family. But it's like saying all we need is one conversion moment and we're done. Woo! I'm out. Got my convert check. Got my batson check. Got my confirmation check. I'm good. It's not like that at all. 
to bring new members or to bring people to Christ. It's not about church membership. It is about empowering them with the grace, love, and joy, and challenge, and discipleship, and shalom, that wholeness of Jesus Christ. And sometimes as a church, we can be more about just trying to funnel people in the door than realizing that what gets people excited about faith is getting people excited about faith. It's about we ourselves learning and growing and being connected so that we can go into the world and people can say, you go to that church, right? Tell me about it. What, why do you believe? And you have at least something to, well, I don't have it all figured out, but this is, this is why I do. So we are to become fishers of people, not just fish for people. So as we start from last week, Jesus's baptism that calls us all now into new service. Remember that Skeeter wants us to get fishing. That is that individual call and corporate call to go out and fish for all. How and where we do that is a matter of having our eyes and ears open to where God is leading us and who God is placing in our lives, the situations we find ourselves in, and have the courage to share in a positive and non-judgmental way some bit of faith that you think could help that person. And then finally, again, our identity is as fisher people. Not just that we fish every once in a while, but it's who we are as disciples. So the lure, friends, of Jesus Christ is strong. Let us have the courage to go and be his fisher people in the world. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs>